Thank you so much. Thank you. This itself. Go ahead, I asked her to stay at the piano. I want to ask her husband, do you lead singing anytime? Come, 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 come right ahead. Come. Now, what she just did, she played the piano for a man who's not accustomed to having a pianist. Let me tell you something. She's got to be good to have been able to follow him. But he's not accustomed to having a pianist. Now this man's accustomed to having her. Would you mind leading us in a song? Oh, that'd be a thrill. Go ahead. Thank you. Here, I didn't give you. All right. Let me give you. Lead Thank us you. in the song. All right. Now he's accustomed to working with her. There you go. 146. Let's sing that. Thank you, Pastor, for this opportunity. It is well with my soul.
Wasn't that a blessing? Amen. That was indeed a blessing. Now then, turn in your Bible to the book of Acts. And chapter number 2. Acts chapter 2. speak to you today by the help of the Lord on the subject, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now I recognize my subject a lot bigger than I am. But let's embark on it and see where the Spirit of God might lead us. We find that in His farewell address just before His crucifixion the Lord Jesus Christ made this statement to His men in John chapter 14 and verse 17. John chapter 14 and verse number 17. That's backing up uh, to the left there, just uh, uh, two or three pages, I suppose. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 17 reads, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him, but ye know Him, and He dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Little. Did they realize what a significant prediction this was. They had the Spirit periodically with them for special needs. But Christ promised here that He would be with them permanently, yep. residing in their very bodies. After His resurrection, just before His ascension, he reaffirmed the same prediction in Acts chapter 1 and verses 5 through 8. And I'm in, I'm in Acts chapter 1 verse 5, the B part of the verse. Ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And then ye shall receive power in a... Uh, verse, eight, uh, 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 verse 8 in the A part of the verse ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you so the Lord kept his word and released his power as never before now give some background information in Acts chapter 2 
And verse number one, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. It's Acts chapter 2, verse number 1. Most of us are skeptical of supernatural things. If we can't prove something, we rather have a tendency to reject it. We want to see exactly what was uniquely experienced and never again duplicated. We can no more duplicate Pentecost than we can duplicate the feeding of the 5,000 or the parting of the Red Sea. Can't do that. Behind this Pentecost experience there are several matters that need to be understood. First of all, it was predicted by the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ made several references to the Spirit's coming during His earthly ministry. He did not specify the exact time or the manner. He referred to a specific occasion that when the disciples would be baptized when uh, or receive the power of the Holy Spirit. It was a day on the Jewish calendar. <clears throat> the word Pentecost literally means 50th and in terms of the Jewish calendar it refers to the time of harvest it began with the ingathering of the first fruits of the harvest to conclude with what the Jews call harvest home at the end of Pentecost there was a gigantic celebration it's much like our Thanksgiving. There's an interesting parallel in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 20 where Christ referred to as the first fruits of those who are asleep. And following His resurrection, the Lord Jesus spent 40 days on earth before returning to heaven. And then 10 days following His ascension, the Holy Spirit came to end, as it were, the period of harvest and to permanently indwell believers' hearts. And aren't you glad the Holy Spirit dwells in your heart? Amen. We don't have to wait for a certain time of the year. Uh, 
to be with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit with you if you're saved at all. The Holy Spirit is with you. He is in you. And He never leaves. Evidence of the Spirit's coming in Acts chapter 2, verses 2, 3, and 4. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. <clears throat> the word suddenly tells us it was unexpected, it was abrupt, there wasn't any warning, it just happened. The noise sounded like in verse 2, rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. The Greeks say an echoing sound of a mighty wind borne violently. It appears the sound was like that of a Hurricane, or the part, uh, the sound of a jet airplane. Yet, the people in the room, they didn't have their clothes torn away by wind. Truth is, it became deathly still in that upper room as the deafening roar entered and there we're not told that the wind came but only a noise a sound from heaven so that was an audible evidence but then I want you to notice a visible Evidence in verse 3 there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. We're not told that they were actually fire, but something that looked like fire, and it distributed itself and rested on each person. Uh, we don't know where these cloven tongues of fire, we don't know exactly where they rested. If it's on their head, if it's on their lips, or on their lap, or wherever they rested, they were tongue shaped. And then in verse 4, there's oral evidence. So we have visible evidence in verse 2. Uh, 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 
uh, the rather uh, audible evidence in verse 2 and visible evidence in verse 3 and now oral evidence in verse 4 they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance they were of one tongue but they began to uh, utter from their tongues other tongues uh, it wasn't a bunch of gibberish it was actual languages that could be understood The people had gathered at Jerusalem from all of the surrounding world uh, and they heard these Galileans speaking not only their various languages but their particular dialects as well. My, my. That's the working of God. When the Holy Spirit came upon these men, they spoke in known tongues so that the multitudes around Jerusalem could all understand what God was doing there. That's important. To speak so that the people can understand make it clear make it understandable now then let's look at reactions to the Spirit's coming this will be my third point reactions to the Spirit's coming in Acts chapter 2 verses 5 through 13 First of all, there's confusion in verse 6. The multitude came together and they're confounded and they were confounded. They were bewildered, if you please. And that's a natural reaction. People who watched and heard what was happening they didn't know what to make of it. They didn't know what they were hearing. Because nothing like this had ever happened before. Amazement in verse number 7. They were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? They continued to be amazed. And it wasn't a short-lived reaction. My, my, what they had heard. Had heard anything like this before. Because they, uh, the, these Galileans, they spake only a, 
uh, pagan like Arabic and they were actually speaking other people's languages and dialects with fluency how in the world were they able to do that I can hardly speak English like I ought to let alone speak someone else's language then I want you to notice in verses 8 through 12 curiosity it says here how hear we every man in our tongue wherein we were born the word how is loaded with curiosity they had not heard gibberish but verses 9 through 11 tells us very plainly it lists more than a dozen known languages that were spoken can you imagine this Parthians and Medes Elamites and dwellers at Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia Pontius and Asia Perga and Pamphylia Egypt and in parts of Libya and Cyrene and strangers of Rome Jews and proselytes Cretes and Arabians we all hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God they were absolutely amazed at this and I believe I would be too I believe we would be too <clears throat> the last part of verse number 11 gives the very content of the message being spoken the wonderful works of God the mighty deeds of God that's the message what meaneth this in verse number 12 what does this mean oh my to have the opportunity to be there for this but there was denial in verse 13 there were others who were mocking saying these men are full of new wine a bunch of drunkards <laughs> well every group seems to have its own skeptics and mockers there are always people who have simple answer for every situation and these people are no exception by any means they denied the evidence and explained it as a room full of drunk men can you imagine a room full of drunk men. Well, <clears throat> how absurd. Since when does wine help people to speak in fully understandable languages and dialects? That doesn't happen. 
That doesn't happen. And then number four, we have the Spirit's coming. And us. Today. This incident in Scripture is not simply told us for its historical value. But it's the point of God's Word intended to teach us a lesson. It's part of God's Word. There are two we can draw from and place in our lives. One is when God does a work, no one can duplicate it or ignore it. When God does a work, no one can duplicate it or ignore it. Like for instance, to give you an example, when the Lord saved you, when the Lord saved me, Your conversion could not be duplicated. And no need in trying to ignore it either. God did a work that cannot be duplicated. You cannot save yourself. No one else can even try to save you or anyone else as far as that's concerned. Uh, I've heard the expression... You know, I think I'm going to go to church tonight. I think I'm going to get saved tonight. That's not the way God works. You may go to church. You may or you may not get saved if you're not, not already saved. If your experience is any at all, anything at all like mine, Oh, I went to church all right. But the night that I went to church, I did not go to church in order to get saved. Truth of the matter is, getting saved is the farthest thing from my mind. I was not thinking about getting saved. But you know what happened? It's an amazing thing. The Lord has His way of getting our attention. The night that I got saved, I was sitting right here. This is my favorite pew. I was sitting right here. A boy I went to school with sat right here beside of me. And right there next to him was his mother. And during the song service, we had an enjoyable time. But when the preacher got up to preach, my friend's mother got a hold of her son by the arm. And she led him in front of her to the other side of her 
which left me sitting by who? His mother. The lion I'm a nine or ten year old boy and I sit here. That woman sitting there beside me. I did not know her. And I certainly had no conversation with her. But the man of God stood up there at the pulpit and he preached the Word of God. Would you believe it? The Spirit of God drove that man's message into my heart and brought me to a place of conviction and repentance and faith. Oh, me. God did a work on me. Then I remember he came to the end of his message and he stood at this side of the pulpit just like I am right now. He's standing here and they were singing an invitation hymn of some sort I don't remember. But as they began to sing that invitation hymn I just felt so much in my mind in my heart I need to let it be not know what has happened to me. And I walked over there to that man and I told him, I said, I'm trusting the Lord Jesus as my Savior. Went home that night. We lived in that place. We lived in a big two-story house. Mom and Dad already on the bed. Went upstairs, knocked on the door and said, come on in. Walked in the bedroom I raised my hands and I said, Mom, Dad, the most wonderful thing happened to me tonight. I think i try to make this picture for you two. All the rest of you, they've they, they heard this story so many times. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Some of you tell it better than I can. Oh, man. But anyway, that was the beginning of my family on church. The next Sunday, we were in church. We didn't used to go to church. I got saved in the Baptist church. Gravel Hill Baptist Church, Johnson City, Tennessee. The next Sunday, we were at the College Heights Methodist Church. That didn't last too long. Sometime later, my dad came to me and he said, Son, your mom and I want to join this Baptist church, but they won't receive us unless we get rebaptized. You see, mom and dad went to the Methodist church, and my dad had no experience in going to church at all. Mama, mama did have some experience, and it was a Methodist church. But Daddy believed that if you get baptized, you should be immersed. Well, he took me to the Methodist church, and Methodist preacher wanted to sprinkle me with water. And Daddy wouldn't have it. He said, I want him baptized. I want him immersed into the water. Methodist preacher had me by the hand, lead me out into the creek. That water's so cold, and 
on our way out there in that cold water, he said to me, he said, we could do this in church. And I'd be surprised if both of us don't get pneumonia. But your dad is so stubborn, he wants you to be immersed under the water. That didn't make any sense to me, none of it. Did that. Anyway, after we had been in the Methodist church for a certain period of time, Daddy came and said, we want to join this Baptist church with us. We've got to be re-baptized. Now, the, the Baptist church, they had warm water <laughs> in the building. <laughs> oh, that's some of my experience. But the main thing with me is when I sat right over there, I got saved at the third seat from the front. The Lord has saved my soul. Have you been saved? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? It's not a matter of have you been baptized, but have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Yep. If you haven't trusted Christ, oh, you need to trust the Lord Jesus. Yep. Or Taylor asked Paul and Silas and sirs, what must I do to be saved? Answer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And you can be saved and there's no work there's no works involved just by believing. Just believe. No work involved. Only believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's something else, folks. And that is be grateful and thankful that the Lord not only brings you to a place of repentance and faith, but He also gives you the faith to believe with. I didn't have enough faith for nothing, but God gave me faith. If you're saved, the faith that you had to trust Christ, God gave you that faith. Thank the Lord for His goodness, kindness, and mercy to us. Let's all stand to you, please. <clears throat> Bow our heads, Brother Wade Smith, dismisses. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that He was willing to pay our penalty on the cross. And thank you, Heavenly Father, that He promised us the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for sending your Holy Spirit to guide us and to, and to teach us from your Word. Heavenly Father, it's wonderful to be able to read your Word with understanding, and that is because of the Holy Spirit indwelling us. Thank you for your daily guidance, and help us to listen to the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and help us to bring honor and glory to your name. We ask these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. <coughs>